Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I, 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 will, um, I will have a couple of beers because you're in Germany, so you've got to have a beer. Yeah, you're in Germany. Yeah. No, this, is, this is all going tits up, seriously. It's, you're getting very, very nah. badly pissed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the thing with Brussels, he doesn't yeah, even drink. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's part of the official thing, though, because I'll be insulting them by not taking any beer. Yeah. It, it says, of course, there will be time for a few delicious beers. Yeah, yeah. It, it says at twelve twenty-four. Yeah, and then at two thirty-eight, it's so it's so German in its efficiency. Yeah, isn't it? It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's so packed in. Um, I will have a few beers, but I'm not going to go crazy. All right, get your hands on, mate. A mixed night at best for Real Madrid in their Champions League round of 16. First leg against Manchester City last night at the Bernabeu. Now, they're still in the tie despite losing 2-1 and losing Sergio Ramos to yet another red card. But my first question about this game, guys, is has Real Madrid's Champions League aura now officially disappeared? I think there was a feeling last night, uh, you know, that the, the game was just always there, I think, for City and, and, and Pep identified a tactical change just to swing it his way. And usually Real Madrid would have stamped their authority on that game. But I think other than the goal, they had a 10 minute spell um, where they look for the second goal. And then when they didn't get it, they just 
kind of gave up and, and then coasted the rest of the game. City had it about them to, to you know, to, to come and... They saw the game there to be won or, or at least get a draw. Do you honestly think they gave up? They just ran out of ideas and that was that? Yeah, absolutely. I think okay. I think in a previous time, previous era, somebody, maybe Cristiano Ronaldo, he might have spurred them on. He goes, like, come on, not on my watch. Yeah. We need to get this tie done. We need to get mm. this tie finished. And it's strange because there's still so many of the old guard there. But um, no, they just lack that killer instinct, I think. And, and then Zidane's uh, change was very strange when he took Vinicius see off uh, suggestions of cramp but it was strange to bring Bale on who I don't know isn't really a serious footballer anymore is, is he <laughs> wow absolutely outrageous <laughs> stuff we're going to we're, we're going to come back, back, we to back to that in a minute that? we're definitely okay. coming back to that in a minute because for, for me it, he listens you know we've got to ruin his Thursday mate oh unbelievable <laughs> you're going to have Jonathan Barnett on the line yeah, I know you will he, you loves will. A, he loves a quote yeah he does. you're about to ruin his round anyway <laughs> yeah yeah but I, I think the, the, the thing that struck me is when, when Vinicius went for Bale, it was the most obvious Zidane hook, really, because he switches to 4-4-2. Mm-hmm. Isco ends up playing that spot that he played in 2017. And when Luke's talked before about this being a you know Real Madrid 2017 mm-hmm. tribute act, I think maybe that's, that's part of the yeah, problem, is, yeah. isn't it? That they've sort of gone back to that because Vinicius was the guy who provided the most energy and most invention mm-hmm. in that second half, wasn't he? Yeah, but if you want to retain that energy, why not bring Marcelo on? and play him higher up. He can't really defend anymore, Marcelo. Mm. So why don't you play him as a left winger? Mm. And I would have taken Isco off as well. You know, if you are... He didn't do anything apart no, from the goal, really, exactly. did he? Exactly. If, no. if you're... You know, he, he's notorious. I don't like it when people say that. I mean, I don't, oh, I don't, it's like the old the old ad, adage about, um, apart from apart from that, how did you enjoy the theatre? <laughs> it's like, that is a big part of it. Yeah, I mean, it's true. Yeah. It's true. Anyway, sorry, yeah. carry on. Yeah, yeah. Isco played his part and, and, and then left, basically. But yeah, yeah. If you're, if you're quite lethargic in the game, you're quite slow, and Isco is notorious for this, being quite ponderous, you mm. bring him off. If you want some urgency, you take the, the guy who slows your team off down. Mm. You, you know, you take him off. Um, and they didn't do that and it was very very strange from Zidane I think Zidane he was, was subbed off wasn't he it was very late on yeah yeah, yeah. very very it was far too late yeah, yeah. yeah I was going to say that Zidane I think had a chance to and this was the difference I think on the night Pep made a proactive change mm. he saw the weakness that they had at the back with Carvajal mm. he identified that and then he slung on you know he had De Bruyne and Sterling going at Carvajal down that side and that little space between the full back and the, and the centre back they were just darting through and, and it was such a rash challenge for someone of that sort of experience wasn't it absolutely who, by who sorry by Carvajal yeah. on uh, on, on Sterling maybe it's and, catching uh, and Sterling did make an enormous difference there's there's no doubt about mm. that and I think when you think the reaction to the team that Guardiola the 11 that Guardiola picked yeah, he took pelters for that he, d- he did yeah, didn't he yeah, but, yeah. but actually I think the smart thing about that and it's, it's quite a simple thing is the fact that you look at the bench and you look at the fact that the way it went on um, Saturday for Real Madrid at Levante, mm. and they were the better team for for most of that, but somehow managed to lose it. Yeah. And despite so much has been made of that Jose Luis Morales quote where he said, well, I couldn't run anymore. So that's why I belted in that wonder goal because I simply couldn't <laughs> run it into the corner. But the fact is, they were stronger in the last 25 minutes of that than Real Madrid were physically. Yeah. So we know Guardiola pause like, very, very closely over the the previous performances of the team. And he said it, didn't he, in the pre-press conference. He's like, well, I don't see Madrid as often as I used to. Mm. So, you know, Thomas Muller made that quote, didn't he, about, you know, he, he gives us too much information. He, mm. he over-prepares. He worries about the opposition too much. And that's something that's... Especially been... when laid up against Zidane in the other dugout, who does exactly. it almost next to nothing from yeah, what I've read. Yeah, I was about to yeah. say, yeah, he's, yeah. Done, yeah, he's like that. He yeah, it's, really... it's, it's something that's brought up consistently with Guardiola. But Guardiola, I think he responded quite well to that Muller thing where he said, you know, my, my players can never say they're... 
they're underprepared. And he said, well, I don't see Madrid as often as I used to. So I've had to spend a few days looking after them. And, and he will have looked at that game so closely. And I think that's exactly what he tried to do. I think he's, he's thought, well, you know what? Let's stay in the game and just go after them in the last 25 yeah, minutes. Yeah. And, and that's, that's how it worked out. Yes. Dave, to give you a further, further kind of context of something Andy mentioned about my opinion of Real Madrid under Zidane, and I'm happy mm. for you to disavow me of any, any of these opinions. I just feel like when he went back, it, you know, people can say the, the, the usual stuff about, I'll never go back and never kind of tarnish your legacy. But that aside... His challenge to me and to, and to other people was just completely different. It was it was now you need to reinvent this team, bring these different players through, um, not kind of relax into and rely on kind of old tropes and old players that you trusted before, and and usher in a new maybe era strong, but a new team at least who can go and compete in in, in, in a mm. different way and in a better way or whatever. I mean, not better because he's won however many things he's won, but in a different way. And he's just not done that. I feel, I feel like he's been too tempted to revert to type whenever things have got slightly difficult. Is that fair or is that a bit unfair? No, I think that's really accurate. And and the thing is, we don't know if he's that type of coach yet. The, the early signs are, you know, it's still early in his managerial career when you look at it, really. Yeah. We don't, you know, it doesn't look like he's that type of coach. And, and there's not many coaches about who can who you think, or he could come in and usher in the new era. It's a difficult thing to do. And it's even more difficult at a club like Real Madrid who have yeah. to win all the time. There's no transition phase allowed. You have to keep winning. And Zidane's remit is, okay, keep winning. Challenge for the Champions League. Challenge for La Liga. Oh, but you have to integrate 18-year-old Brazilians who have just come over yeah. <laughs> you know, from their like one professional season. It's things yeah. like that. You know, that's difficult to do, I think. Yeah, and, and it will continue to be that job with the arrival of Renier, won't yeah. it? And, and it's up to Florentino Perez to, to look at it and go, all right, okay, I'm going to allow these results I'm going to allow us to maybe get out the cha- knock out the Champions League in the last 16 I'm going to allow this and I understand he's got a challenge and it's a difficult club and, and he's he's probably afforded more time than most because of who he is but I mean you mentioned the Levante game the midfield three of um, of Cruz Modric and Casemiro yeah. well I think that's that, the, it's the same but don't it's the you, same old shit to, to me that proves how important uh, Federico Valverde is to them already yeah. mm. uh, you look at the players they left out for the Levante game is very instructive. Mm. The fact that Mondi was on the bench, the fact that Valverde was on the bench, that's very important. He is trying to make that team younger. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And that's something that you could justly criticise him for in the back end of his first spell in charge. So going back to to, to 2018... But is it happening quickly enough, it's, I guess, is the question. It's why I didn't want Christian Eriksen as well, because that would have set the team back further. You know, yeah. he, he explicitly said to Perez, look, I don't want him, I want a younger midfielder. And this summer mm. they will spend, I reckon, about 80, 100 million on a big centre midfielder um, to, to well, try and bring down the age of the squad. And I understand that he's resting players ahead of a big Champions League game, but I mean, he played two of the three of them in midfield last night anyway, right? So, Yeah, I, th- I thought Modric was an interesting pick. Um, I think when you bear in mind that one of... But basically, one of Modric and Kroos has to sit that game out. And I would have sat Modric. I know it's great Same. in hindsight. But, Same. But, but Kroos is in great form. He's he's in his back in his peak form when he's best Tony Kroos. And Casemiro's in good form. So for me, it had to be Modric. He was on a clear decline. Yeah, he is. And I, I think you look. I think Casemiro suffered a little bit against City, mm-hmm. but with without that extra mobility next to him, I, I think there was there was far too much on Valverde. Um, Modric was struggling to stay in the game. I felt, and if you boil it down, quite simply, the the fact that Real Madrid are not a team that's because it's, I think sometimes some people can be a, a little bit hoodwinked because it's Zidane 
and it's Real Madrid, they're not a pretty side. They're not a mm. side that is a possession-heavy side. Mm. So they're always going to have less of the ball. I think in that situation, Kroos's set pieces are absolutely vital. And why you would deprive yourself of that, to me, is, mm. is, is extraordinary. Very quickly in a sentence, because a lot of our listeners are, are English football fans as well. Was that a coming-of-age performance by Man City in the Champions League? Did they break through a glass signal last night, or was it too early to say? Too early to say. Ask me at the end of the second leg. Okay. Real Madrid have been shipped quite a lot <laughs> yeah. in uh, the home legs of the knockouts, so don't write them off yet. Yeah, these two just love Spanish football. That's why I don't. <laughs> um, let's, let's let's just wrap up um, the other game that happened last night before we go on to Tuesday's games. Obviously, Leon beat Juventus one nil um, in Leon. Um, some of Maurizio Sarri's comments were quite odd, and I think, to my memory, this is the th- as I was saying before we came in, this is the third time he's either intimated or explicitly stated that he hasn't been able to get an idea across to his team. He did it at Chelsea a couple of times, I think, and he's done it again here at Juventus. In this case, it was specifically about the players not moving the ball quickly enough. But the way you point it out, the, the way you frame it, makes it seem like, oh, it's me not, not framing my ideas correctly. Mm. Whereas he's not saying that. He's saying, you're too bloody stupid to get it. Yeah. That's which, what he's saying. And also, he's not even got the idea, he's not even got... He can't even hide behind the idea that he's speaking in the second language. He said it in Italian <laughs> last night. So that was his native tongue. So I know I know he's got a reputation for kind of speaking his mind and not having any filter on what he says. I thought you were going to say not having any friends. He, c- he certainly won't have any friends by the end of it. It's like, it's like Thomas Tuchel. Uh, the only filter he's got is in the fags that he eats. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> but what, what do you make of that? Because it's a poor Lovely result habit. for them. It's a, it's a surprising result to me, at least. And maybe Very. you could tell me, okay, you agree. So great. They're not out of the tie, of course. But... Um, is 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 the pressure ramping up on Sarri now? Absolutely, because mm. um, they were jettisoning Allegri because they thought they were subscribing to a higher philosophy of football. I think if you look at a comparable club in Bayern when they got in um, Pep Guardiola, that's because they had everything sorted out. Um, they were winning um, commercially. They're very successful. They're more successful than any other club in the country. They wanted to create a Bayern brand of football and that's the cycle that started I think if you look at um, the way Marty Perrinow described it in Pep Confidential it sort of started with Van Gaal went through Heinkers and then Guardiola's the kind of apex of, of, of that really um, but for, for Juventus this was them moving on from purely results based football but you haven't had the football or the sort of imperious aura so mm. far have you no it's absolutely you know I think you make the point there about Pep being the apex I mean Sarri is no Pep no he's nowhere near him no. so they've got like a really really low budget version of Pep mm. I think if they wanted to do this they should have gone maybe for Tuchel who's a little bit more closer but Sarri I think his methods will be too abrasive at Juve I can't I, you can see a big big fallout there I think happening and if Juve can get a different coaching in the summer then they'll probably do it I think if they get the, the the sense that they can do that. David, you also enjoyed a uh, performance of one or two of Lyon's midfield players as well. Yeah, I, I thought Bruno Gomeres and, and Lucas Toussaint were, were excellent uh, together. Um, and, and it's strange because Toussaint's uh, obviously leaving the club and he's coming to... Going to bigger and better things. Yeah, apparently yeah. so. Hurta. Hurta. <laughs> I mean, imagine scoring the winner in front of a full 60,000 stadium yeah. in the Champions League. And you're like, oh, fuck's sake. You've got to play for Hurta in six months' time. <laughs> at least he hasn't got to play under Klinsmann. That is true. And there is a consolation of living in Berlin and having a truckload of money, money yeah, so for, for your trouble. And, and, and 
her Tarak, that team, we don't want to get onto her because we, yeah. Yeah, we talk about them a lot and uh, because they're hilarious. Jürgen Klinsmann's still talking about them <laughs> yeah, a lot. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. In, uh, privately, but also publicly. Through leaks. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but, so we don't, we don't want to get onto that. But yeah. is, is it a shame that someone like Tussar, having performed like that, is now going to go and play his trade at a team who, you know, probably will be in the Bundesliga next season, but the fact that we're even having a conversation they might not be, when he's played like that in, in, a, in, a, in a knockout game of the Champions League? All, all I would say in this situation is he's a horse for a course. Um, he was given a very specific role by Rudy Garcia. And given that Rudy Garcia is always being ragged in France for his very average Champions League record, mm-hmm. especially for a guy who's coached the clubs that, that, that he has, um, certainly numbers-wise, is, is, is pretty poor. I think that this was a real victory for Garcia, who's had a difficult time at Lyon, who's find it, found it difficult to be accepted by the supporters. But playing Bruno Guimaraes is a huge risk, actually, because he's, he's just come over to... You're talking about a new continent, new country, new club, and... He's only made his debut on Friday, in which he was very good away at Mets. But he's a player who is a complete novice at this level. He didn't play like that at all. He essentially is the reason that they feel they can let Tucson go. And Juninho, the sporting director, has said throughout the season that we want a a technically better version of Tucson. And looking at Juninho, he almost certainly sold him uh, for Bitcoin as well <laughs> he basically looks like some kind of San Francisco based like tech guy now doesn't he yeah and he, he doesn't he doesn't do that thing where he sits on the on, on the bench and sort of breathes down the, the, no. the coach's neck he's upstairs with his old mate Claudio Casapa and yeah. all the, the the technical video guys and they were going absolutely bonkers when Tucson yeah. scored but on TikTok <laughs> yeah. probably <laughs> because because uh, Bruno Gimenez was 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 so good Tussard did help him in in that sense because the idea was, well, we know Pjanic is going to play this kind of regista role and the composition of the, the Juve midfield is is a different question. But they know Pjanic very well, of mm. course, at, at Lyon. So the idea was for Tussard to play a little bit fur, further forward than normal and hassle Bentancur, hassle Pjanic and stop them getting on the ball, getting the ball out. And because he's playing that little bit further forward, that's how he ends up scoring the goal yeah. because he's further forward but than he. You've had a lot of the ball, though. They were just not very particularly effective with it. Is that fair? In the second half, certainly. Yeah, uh, and I think Leon were just defending in the second half. That, you... that, that's that's all it was really. But what a player like Bruno Guimaraes can do, I think, to have a player who can win his tackles, can be responsible in front of the back four. Get stuff done in a really small space. And you know, we're talking about Tony Kroos. You know, that's why people mm-hmm. set him up as a, a potential defensive midfielder at some point because he's comfortable with three players on him and he st- can still get the ball out and, and, and deliver it. He lands so many of his passes, Bruno Gimenez. I mean, it's my first time seeing him. So he's, a, he's an absolute revelation to me. But, the, you know, the, the only reason he's come really is Juninho. He could have gone to Atletico Madrid, who mm-hmm. had an option mm-hmm. on him. Mm-hmm. And Juninho who's had a very, very difficult time as sporting director so far and actually said in the lead up to the game, well, look, my history with the club, which obviously is impeccable as a player, is not going to save me if I'm not good enough in this job. Mm. This could be a turning point for him to make a signing like this that you get in front of quality uh, rivals, big European teams who also want him, to get him in and he's a player who could be great for them for a couple of seasons and then they could sell him for a fortune. If that pans out, this is a huge feather in Janino's cap. Uh, and let's let's move to the Tuesday night games as well then and, and cover those because 
after that performance from Bayern Munich at Stamford Bridge, which all but guarantees their place in the next round, I think we can all agree on that. Should we be taking them seriously in their position among the favourites for the trophy this season? I checked this morning. I think they might be actually be favourites for it now. Um, is that something that, that, that you would subscribe to, chaps? Or do you think it's more of a case of a bit of naivety from an inexperienced coach at this level in the, in, in, in the opposite dugout and it made them look a little bit better than they actually are. Yeah, I, th- I think there's something in that. Um, okay. I, I thought I thought Bayern were, were good. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, but the thing I thought, at certainly at halftime, is Bayern have done this in some big games already this season. If you look at when they played Leipzig, if you look at when they played Leverkusen, if you look at when they played Borussia Mönchengladbach, when Gladbach were top of the table. Bayern were the better team in those games and played really good football. Now that's something they couldn't do under Niko Kovac and something they can do under Hansi Flick. They've been a lot more dynamic under him. But mm. those were all games that they didn't win. And I was thinking at half time, they've given Chelsea an opportunity here because, you know, they've really that they they need a goal to make this happen. And when those goals came in the second half, I think this is we talked about turning points in 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 the season of of Janino or Lyon that this is a huge turning point I think in the in the season of Bayern because if they can go out there play with that sort of style and then actually make it happen in a big game this is a huge feather in the, in the in the cap of Hansi Flick because yeah. um there's been a lot of talk about his position in recent um days in Germany and recent weeks actually because bear in mind he got the job um from Kovac in November by mid-December, before the winter break, they said, right, you're having it till the end of the season. So they, and they've never been able to stop saying um, Rummenigge, um, Salah Hamasic, how much they like him. They, and, they uh, offered him, but haven't they offered him a new contract? There was talk of that this week. Not yet. No, but it's, not, there has been, been rumour though, hasn't it? There's been yeah, abso- yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But there's, there's, there's been a rumour. I think it's a counter-rumour to Hansi Flick's people saying, well, look, you haven't signed him yet and other clubs are interested. So... Yeah. You know, you know you, you've got to make your move or not make your move. But it would have been counterintuitive, a bit like United with Solskjaer, for them to make him an offer without seeing what he could do in a big Champions League game. Yeah. And I think he's, he's he's answered some of those questions. Well, I think he'd be rubbing his hands together, though, because I don't know about you, but I, I mean, this 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 Chelsea team are tailor-made for Bayern Munich. They are just awful without the ball. I hate them without the ball, Chelsea. There's a lot to like about them. Young players, exciting players who can do things. Without the ball, they're awful. Yeah, absolutely. Look, they Chelsea facilitated that Bayern performance, I think. I think, you know, Bayern won't yeah. get the rub of the green like that in other big games this season. I think Chelsea were very, very open to the way they play and, and thankfully, you know, Bayern had the players to take advantage of that I thought Alfonso Davies was fantastic but you've got to look already he had the freedom of the, the whole field I think to to break up and down and he was even allowed to push up so high and leave some space in behind because Chelsea were playing that way yeah. Um, and yeah yeah, no, no, no. but I'm not going to take anything away and it'll be interesting to see how they manage without Lewandowski yeah, that's a big thing, isn't it? for four weeks now four so weeks yeah. within yeah. the injury yeah. so that'll be interesting to see again who comes in and what sort of you know they've got the second leg and yes it kind of looks over but it'll be interesting to see how they play without him yeah it, it, it will be I mean it's interesting when we have this image of Chelsea of this young team I mean it was interesting the the way you put it Luke the way you said well is it a case of naivety in terms of the coach because if you look at the two teams you know it's so easy for Chelsea to come out and go oh we're a young team this season yeah 
in their ele- <clears> first <throat> eleven, they've got three players under twenty-five. Mm. Bayern have got three players sure. under, tw- yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, under twenty-five. Now I realise there's a, there's a difference in terms of it's not just age, though, is it? It's no experience on the pitch and yeah, sure. And, and I realise there's a difference in the pedigree of some of those players. And you look at Lewandowski and you, you look at Thomas Müller and he was no, ex- he was excellent by the way. We should touch on Thomas Müller. I think you know, yeah, it's fantastic. Absolutely. I think a lot of people. Thought he was he was done. They were like, "Oh, the football's gone a different way now." Mm. Somebody like Thomas Muller kind of thrive, and and I but think he's had that, that his whole career, David. Yeah, 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 exactly. And the fact that he's come back and he's now having this kind of renaissance, and he was magnificent. It was such a throwback the way he was dropping off. He was creating so many problems for Chelsea because he just kept dropping into space as well, an extra man in midfield, and well, he, he made everything work. Could you argue in the second leg that makes it even? more dangerous for Chelsea when they've got to make at least a nominal effort to chase the game. The replacement for Lewandowski will be Thomas Muller. And the thing about him has always been, and well, he had that little bite at, at, at Pep during the week and yeah. that's because Pep's never rated him basically. Yeah. He's so difficult to pick up. Can you think of a player that's so indefinable really as, as Thomas Muller? I don't think Chelsea are smart enough defensively to be able to pick him up. Well, no, I, he's I, built, sorry, David, go on. Yeah, I, I don't think Chelsea's smart enough and I think Muller's probably one of the what, top five in, t- in terms of most intelligent players around. Well, that's what I was going to say. I was just going to echo that in a, slightly, in a slightly different way perhaps and say that this is a man who, to me, is a layman football uh, guy. Just He looks like a, a man who's built a career on really intelligent movement of dropping into space and just being entirely ruthless yeah. whenever he has an opportunity. And I think it's... It's very hard to put your finger on what he's particularly standout good at. Mm. Yeah, that's, Other than that. That's right. And I think it's indicative that he's become more and more influential under Hansi Flick, as, mm. as, as we were saying. He's he's not nearly rigid enough for, for Kovac. I mean, yeah. Guardiola found it difficult to get his head around Muller mm. and what he does. Because mm. he likes to, even in his own way... Guardiola likes to pigeonhole players. Mm. Like he wanted to, if you look at Bayern, he wanted to make Ribéry into a number 10. Ribéry didn't get it at all. Mm. Um, He wanted to make Muller into a midfielder. And then that was more Guardiola's decision. He looked at him and thought, no, actually, you're not good enough to play in the middle of midfield for me. Mm. And And that was when he at least partially wrote him off. And then other players worked, like for instance, he changed Kimmich's position. Yeah. So and, and that worked. So it, it's interesting. It, it swings around. I, I, the final point on this on this Chelsea Bayern game is I just felt it looked to me like a real a real wake up call for a couple of those younger players that play on played on the right hand side for Chelsea, uh, Mason Mount particularly and Reese James. Mm. Who, who Reese James to me is going to be a, a fantastic player. He's got all the, all the tools. He looks brilliant at pretty much whatever he does. But up against that flying machine that's Alfonso Davis and then Serge Gnabry as well floating around. I think they found it very very difficult. Well, I think you look at younger players and. It's, it's such a cliche, but it's true. It's a cliche because it's true that like you're only as good as as your experienced players. Mm. And I think but he had that, us behind him. He didn't really seem to help him an awful lot. Yeah, but I do think the difference between I was looking more at the other side. I think if you look at Alfonso Davis. Oh, sorry. Okay, yeah. yeah. And th- the way that Bayern's defensive injury crisis has worked, which has put Alfonso Davies there in the first place, I think having Alaba next to him is absolutely huge. Yeah. I think you look at someone who's played a lot at left back, who's been expected to play other positions, who's an English speaker, who can talk him through the games. I think that is absolutely integral to Alfonso Davis development. And I think also if you look at him, I mean, you know, people have said, oh, he's gone in cold as a as as a, as a left back, you know, of course he mm. played left wing all the time for Vancouver Whitecaps, didn't didn't he? And I wonder if Bayern always had this in mind with him. Because if you look at the way he runs, I mean, so much has been made of his his pace. But it's not just about pace, is it? It's about momentum. And if you start from a deeper position, and he created a goal 
very very similar goal for the, 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 uh, to the first goal that that, that he created um, against it would be Freiburg just before Christmas mm-hmm. in the in the in the Champions League where uh, in the Bundesliga sorry where he started from halfway within his own half played a little one two and absolutely trained it up the left-hand side and then played the perfect ball in. And I think if you're that sort of player, if you've got that extra space to run into, it's almost helpful mm. to yeah. you. Yeah, because mm. I mean, he, he'll come unstuck against teams that say play in a deep block. So when mm. he's played higher up the field, he might find it a little bit more difficult. Yeah, I think he's good enough, by the way, to create situations where he can get around that. But like you say, I think if he starts off so deep, it means somebody's going to have to come out and then you suck somebody out of position, That's which right. leaves a gap for somebody all, else. And on, on, on the other end, he's got the cover of Alaba as well, yeah, hasn't precisely. he? Who, by the way, he's only still only 27. Yeah. He's yeah. been around since God was a boy. Yeah. I, had yeah. no, I had no idea he was still so young. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, great performance by Bayern. Um, let's wrap up the final game then. Um, the game at the San Paolo, which finished Napoli 1, Barcelona 1. It was set against the background of Lionel Messi saying in an interview with El Mundo that Barcelona aren't ready to win the Champions League this season. There's all sorts of other stuff going on at Barcelona, which I know you guys covered last week. Um, they're currently fourth favourites for the Champions League Barcelona is that about right for you or did you see anything in that game at the San Paolo which made you think hmm they found it quite difficult to break down like a packed Napoli midfield and um, they're not going to have it all their own way in the second leg yeah I think fourth fifth sixth kind of favourite is is about right I think at the moment you almost forget that Barcelona still have to play football matches there's so much (laughs) (laughs) there's so much going on off the field there's like a new story every single week and and it's like all right, oh they've got a game tonight All right, interesting and then yeah and when it actually does come to on the field then no they're not particularly good at the moment Um, this Setien era was meant to usher in I think a new exciting you know brand of football but if you looked in that game against Napoli Valverde was probably still in charge wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know it was very yeah. very similar very safe very steady very sideways it was yeah And but if you've got the messy factor I think and I think that is why you know Barcelona will still be feared by teams and Napoli I think bought into that they were scared and that's why they set up the way that they did but I think I think I mean and you can again you can completely disavow me of this mm. but to me it just looked like right you pack Zelensky Ruiz and Dem in the middle of the park and you try and stop the supply coming to and from Busquets and whenever Messi gets the ball you just smother him yep. right. and that's really to me that's, that's all they did but it worked really well yeah because Barcelona have got nothing else outside of Messi yeah I know they've got other players. They've got other very good players. They've got Antoine Griezmann who they spent, you know, God knows how much on. But it doesn't matter. The, that team still functions via Messi. And if he doesn't, if he gets stopped, it's not even about Busquets anymore either. You can kind of let Busquets. I mean, in the second half, they let Busquets do his thing. But his passes were all sideways. They were going nowhere. He wasn't penetrating anything. And Napoli were without uh, Colabali as well, which is another thing. So they had mm-hmm. to pack that midfield and mm-hmm. they stopped Messi, I think, quite easily in the end. I, I just wonder. If there's still something in this for the for for the, for the second leg, really, um, because you look at the suspensions to Busquets and Busquets is not as effective as he used to be. I, 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 I think that's clear. Can't be but too hard for coming because the goals nearer was just he was essentially. I don't want to be too simplistic, but he had two of the greatest midfielders of all time around him, and now he doesn't uh, have that. Also, also, we have to underline he's still a bastard. Did yeah. you see? <laughs> did you see what he did to Drew Smith? It'll always be that. Yeah, it'll always be yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. And this also it means it's more impactful when you do it to someone like Drew Mertens who's got like a really nice face, and yeah. it makes you feel more 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 guilty. I, I don't think it makes for, him feel more guilty. No, it makes you feel more sorry for for Mertens. I mean, well, right, right. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Uh, I I think that 
and the suspension to Arturo Vidal, which is such a stupid red card. Yeah, but, but he is stupid. Well, yeah, so, yeah so, okay. you know, he's, got, he's always got something like that. You know, yeah. it's like it's a big European game. It's like, come on, Arturo, just for know, those who haven't seen it, it was it was classic yellow for the tackle, yellow for the reaction, instant red. And I think he was key yeah. for them as well in this tie. Well, that's the problem. I think if you look at where Barcelona are at the moment, Rakitic and Vidal are way more important for them than they actually should be. Yeah. Uh, and and that is a difficulty, I think, going into this second leg. On the other hand, th- th- you could look at it around the other way and say, is this the moment where Frankie de Jong steps up and starts making it his team? No, because I don't think he's allowed to yet. And I don't think Setien, at this point in the season, I don't think Setien's going to go, oh, right. I'm well, gonna political reasons, you mean? I think political and, again, just what we touched on, I think they're scared. They're, they're playing everything very, very safe. There's not. There's going to be no radical change. I think when Setien came in, there was a feeling that there was going to be this radical change. Oh, it's going to be Frankie's team now. Ansu's going to be there. The young players are going to come through. No, they've sold some of the young players since <laughs> since Setien came in. Mm. They haven't really integrated anybody else. A few people have training sessions, which is not out of the norm. Um, and the football hasn't improved in by uh, by any stretch at all. Can you that- give me a quick line on um, Artur as well? I saw Artur play in the Champions League last season at, 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 at Wembley against Spurs um, and he was absolutely amazing. He's brilliant. I, I uh, really, really like him. Yeah. I, I really not, he wasn't in the team uh, this week. He, he came off the bench. He's not. He didn't start the game. So I just wondered, is there, is there any, what's, what's the kind of latest on him? He's he's a very good very good player and I think when he first started out at Barcelona he did look very very good and that's probably because he didn't know where any of the the night spots were and now mm. he knows them like the back of his hand. Mm. Um, thus okay. <laughs> his form has slipped. Okay. Um, I have to say this puts uh, Antonio Flo- uh, Antonio Flores Flores going on um, snowboarding when he's on loan to Granada in like you know in the shade. The best <laughs> the best ever of these and you'll have the detail on this is the Yama Villa one. Where he said he was going home, and he ended up. We got a photograph of the nightclub about a hundred miles away. <laughs> yeah, that, that, they were on a French under twenty one yeah, duty. Yeah, no, there, there were some biggins involved in that. Yeah. Ben Yedder, Griezmann. Yeah, that, that was a big night out. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that was that was the first. I think the first big players found out by Facebook moment. Was it really? That dates it nicely. Yeah. Yeah, they can't do anything these days. There's too many social media platforms. As well, somebody's recording. Them. Look at the PSG players as well in that party. Mm. And Herrera, I didn't really know he had that about him. No, no. Uh, at, le- yeah. at least he didn't have his shirt off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm, I'm yeah. rapidly trying to remember one that one was it Anton Ferdinand or Rio Ferdinand, and it's trying to do with the Isle of Wight and a family member, and it ended up in New York. <laughs> oh, right. That thought, was a good one. I, as I well. thought it might be in La Manga. Yeah, Not normally with yeah. Premier League teams, isn't it? <laughs> Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills, or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. Occasionally, very occasionally, Mr. Andy Brassel and I uh, have a falling out and argument about things we should be talking about on this show. And I'm not a fan of doing um, matches that have happened four or five days ago. I think, oh, come on, Andy, no one cares, blah, blah. And he dug his heels in this week. And that's fair enough because Galatasaray went to Fenerbahce at the weekend and won 3 1. The first time they've won there, I believe, Andy, since 1999. Yes. And first, a couple of observations for me before you get into the good stuff. One, I've never seen more elbows thrown in a single match of, match of football ever before. <laughs> I, I think they were probably both spotted by the officials and unspotted, circa 15 elbows in the game. And the final point I just want to make very quickly is for those of you who didn't see the game but have a vague idea in your mind about what an Istanbul derby is like, it was exactly like that. It will meet all of those yeah. expectations. So you got you got coaches sent off, two penalties in the game, uh, a bust up on the bench when Belhander was being subbed off and then seemed to grab a Fenerbahce player around the head who, and then he got sent off for that. I couldn't work out whether he was still able, they were still able to make the sub or not because he got sent off. No, he got sent off before he got to the touchline. Okay. So they had to send the sub on for Falcao in the end. Right, okay. But um, Be- Belhander does like a row. Oh yeah, he does. He does, and it's and it, and it is all to play for in Turkey. One point separates the top four teams in in in, in the Super League. There, Fenerbahce are a bit further back, I think. But it's, I mean, yeah, this I mean, is this a significant was a big loss for them. Yeah, big loss yeah. for them as yeah. well. And uh, Galatasaray have been on a, a, a real tear recently. When you consider that they got in a lot of big players, they were uh, a real tear in this game. Last, I'll tell you. Yeah, well, they they got in a lot of big players last summer, um, like Seri, like Stephen and Zonzi, who's already left again uh, like, like, like Radamel like Falcao what's going on with Falcao sorry what's, uh, well, what's well, the problem there he's, he's been out injured for a lot of this season yeah. he's, he's, he's had a lot of little muscle injuries I mean I think this was his eighth <laughs> start of the season mm. in, in the Super League um, and he's but he's clearly a Galatasaray legend because he's scored the goal that put them in front in, in, in the last 10 minutes uh, from the penalty spot uh, a lead that they never relinquished despite there being 10 minutes of stoppage time and um, 
you know, it's, it's a huge moment for him mm. because, as Luke was saying, they've not won a, a Fenerbahce for 20 years. It, it's, it's an extraordinary achievement. And I think that the fact that those current players have, have brought into it, I think, was sort of underlined by the fact that Marcao, their uh, centre-back, they, they, they got over from Chavez in Portugal, he's been very, very good so far. Um there was some uh, footage on, on his Twitter account of him getting the date of the game. Tattooed the, on himself, yeah, wasn't the, it? The, yeah, the, the 23rd of Feb, 2020, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, and the club symbol tattooed on his, on, on his arm. I suppose you've got 15 tattoos anyway. It doesn't really make a difference. But um, yeah, it's, it's one up from Spurs releasing a club video of beating Arsenal, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But th- th- this game, I thought, was a really impressive effort by Galatasaray because... As I said, they got in those players at the start of the season and it's all been a little bit stodgy, partly because of the absence of Falcao. There's not really been much goal threat. The football's been a bit slow and laboured. It's already come together in the last couple of months um, in terms of results. But I think one of the big things has been, he was a big figure in this game, Henry Onyukuru, who used to belong yeah. to Everton, mm. uh, went to Monaco in the summer, hasn't really worked out for him there. So he just came back for his second spell on loan at Galatasaray um, in, in the window. And it's made an enormous difference to have someone with that little bit of extra pace. Mm. And it was something that Fenerbahce found quite difficult to deal with. They used him uh, to great effect, particularly when Fenerbahce were pushing for an equaliser 2-1 down. And he obviously was able to put the cherry on the cake and finish it and make it 3-1. Yeah, he sprinted clear. And yeah, they, the, they, were, they, were, they, they appeared wary of him and his pace. But th- that was actually, that was one of my favourite bits of the game. When at, after, after that, when it got to 3-1, Obviously, they wanted to run down the clock a little more. There was still like three, four minutes of the the, the stoppage time left. So they uh, took off both um, Sofiane Ferguli and Henry Onyekuru. And we talked about it at the start of the season. The rule that players have to leave the pitch at the nearest yeah. point. You're not doing that um, in Istanbul derby. Except, I mean, for goodness sake. Except Ferguli was made to by yeah. the referee. And yeah. he, he was right in front of the the Fenerbahce fans behind the goal. They started throwing seats at him, mm. drinks at him, all the rest of it. And he he was saying, look, I'm, I'm going to be brave. I'm going to keep going. And one of the Galatasaray staff came over and said, no, you're not. Sort of put his coat around him and made him walk across the corner of the pitch. Mm. At which point, obviously a couple of Fenerbahce players said, what are you doing on the pitch? You're wasting time. <laughs> yeah. Get off. Never mind the bloke is absolutely getting pelters yeah. out there. But the brilliant thing was, as he came up to the bench, he gets a huge hug from Fatih Terim, Feguli. It's like, you're my warrior. And His uh, hugs you know, are good as well. Yeah. To Imagine how good you feel after a hug from Fatih Terim. Yeah, it's oh, just, uh, all amazing. encompassing. Amazing. Yeah. But, but bear, bear in mind, you know, it, it's, it's very much in his image. If you, if you go back to, it would have been 2012, um, just before Galatasaray won the, won the title, they got a 2-2 draw there and someone threw a lighter from the stands which hit Terim above the eye and he was, he was bleeding and the medical staff were trying to get him to, to get stitched up. He, oh, get off me. Get off me. I'm fine. <laughs> and then he came into the press conference with actually something stuck over his, his eyes. He, his eye, and he always wants to show the players that, you know, he's a leader and all that sort of stuff. But the brilliant thing was after there was the Terim Feguli hug, Onyukuru came up straight next to him put his arm around Tareem and one of the staff had his phone. So while the game is still going on, while Fenerbahce are absolutely losing their shit, Tareem and Onyakuru do a big thumbs up selfie in front of the main <laughs> stand. 
It's incredible. <laughs> and obviously, Fatty Tarim's in his fourth spell at Galatasaray as well. Is it only his fourth? Only his fourth. Only and his fourth. David, you'll be delighted to know that occasionally a football game broke out as well during all that kind of stuff. They did actually manage to play a game. I'll tell you who was well, excellent. That's, that's, uh, a real, that's a real shame. Yeah, I know. That's, that's yeah. the last thing I want to see. Yeah. Yeah. Jean-Michael Serry, he, he was excellent. And... Um, there was a time where it looked like he might go to, to Lyon actually to replace Toussaint and the Barcelona as well he, he was linked there all, well, all, those, all those years ago yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah actually it's not that long ago it's probably about three years ago wasn't it that yeah. he was linked with Barcelona and he found it quite hard to recover when that move didn't go through he felt that Nice kind of screwed him over, yeah. o- o- over well, that he's still he's still a um, Fulham player so yes. if, if they were to be promoted this season back into the Premier League would he do you think I mean I don't know how much you know about it but would he fancy another run out in the Premier League he's 28 now so maybe yeah. he'd give it another go I'm not convinced be super keen to go back a because he knows there's the interest from big clubs in France mm. b because maybe if Galatasaray could find a, a a way to keep him I mean how do you go from Fenerbahce away to you know playing at Southampton with Fulham yeah no offence Southampton and Fulham maybe you get to play at um, Old Trafford and all that kind of stuff as well mm. Yeah, I mean, look, I just wonder whether... You're not, you're not selling it to me. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder whether... Well, no, you're obviously one of the world's most famous football snobs, but... We're, 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 <laughs> I understand why he would prefer to go to front. But you're right to the Barcelona point. I mean, when, when Fulham signed him, we, we talked about it at great length on, on, on Football Ramble Daily, saying that, you know, I mean, God, this is a guy who was linked with Barcelona. And for Heck of a coup. There was some weird admin reason why he didn't go to Barcelona. It wasn't, it wasn't anything other than that, I don't think. They were calling him the French Javi. Yeah. He, he was touted that highly about... I think he was very much the man of the moment. Mm. He was linked with every big club I think Manning Eight will probably link with him as well because they're linked with everybody and then you know I think it's just it's strange how his star has descended 11 people have now tragically died from coronavirus in Italy uh, and as a result four Serie A games were postponed last weekend um, due to the outbreak and league games at Udinese uh, Milan Parma Sassuolo and the big derby d'Italia between Juventus and Inter look like they're going to take place this weekend without fans uh, in a bid to stop the spread of the virus now there's been talk Andy that the, the, the public bans only running until Sunday so they might move the derby to Monday yeah, that's, that's what Inter are pushing for right um, and, and my, my question I suppose pose is just that how do you I mean clearly this is a very tragic event and that's the most important yes. thing to mention but how do we we're a football show here so how do we see this um, affecting the title race in Italy do we fear a fixture pile up for example for Inter in their bid to win the first um, Scudetto for, for, for a long while maybe uh, I think it's an issue because they've got to fit in the game with um, <coughs> Sampdoria pardon me that was uh, called off last weekend mm. um, so they've got to fit that in the problem is with them trying to move the game to move the Derby d'Italia to Monday, and um, Inter seem very keen on this because you would have have, have fans there. Um, is the fact that well, <laughs> what are you going to do with the Coppa Italia games later in the week? Yeah, because you've got Juventus playing the second leg of the semi on Wednesday, mm. Inter on Thursday. It's very difficult. And when you factor in Champions League commitments, the extra game against against Samp mm-hmm. is, is, is very, very difficult in, indeed. Um, I su- suspect they would get some leeway further along the line because, you know, this is a public health emergency. You know, it's, it, this is something that's way, way bigger than, than football. But in practical terms, for Antonio Conte, 
it is a difficulty. Uh, mm. Of course, they're, they're, they're scheduled to play um, Ludogorets tonight, tonight in, yeah. in, in, in the Europa League. And we've already seen the Ludogorets players turn up in Milan with not just masks on, but those sort of rubber surgeon gloves on yep. as well. They're, they're, they're very uh, sort of thorough about it. And that, that's going to be played behind uh, closed doors. Into a two up from the first leg, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. They, that they are. But the game against um, Juventus is, is, is something that's, that's totally different. Um, I mean, the Derby d'Italia is is enormous anyway. This is the biggest Derby d'Italia in in absolutely years because yeah. they're they're both in the mix. Um, I, I think not in normal circumstances, you would say that Inter are at a slight advantage just because they've got this situation where they didn't play last weekend, um, where they can make quite heavy rotation in terms of the Europa League this week. Whereas Juve have been through the ringer for very little reward at yeah. uh, 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 Lyon. Um, but it doesn't always work like that. It's about rhythm as well, isn't it? So, and rhythm and consistent form is something that Inter have struggled. But they also need to from, go from to, the, from the top. They also need to go to Juventus and win. Yeah, really, I mean, they're six huge. points behind with the game in hand. They need to win. I mean, if Juventus win, it's it's looking pretty bleak for them in terms of their of their league title push. Even, yeah, even a draw. And I've got a feeling Juve will just look at that game and think, "All right, okay, let's just try and we can draw this and get away with it." Maybe because mm. what I think's been interesting about Juventus this season, we, we we touched on it when we were talking about the the style that they were hoping for but haven't really had from from Sadi, is in a lot of games this season they've looked way more vulnerable than. Than, than you are used to seeing Juventus being. Yep. You're used to seeing them grind out games. Well drilled. Miss, Miss Amalia, mm. Massimiliano Allegri, yeah. cl- clearly. But yeah, ex- exactly. Well you, drilled, you, organised, and then I think now they leave more gaps, leave more spaces. And just, just as a result of Sarri's ball. Exactly. Sarri ball. <laughs> exactly. Sarri's ball. Well, sorry, sorry. He's got a very specific <laughs> ball. He, he does, yeah. a very specific yeah. ball. Yeah. It's a busy ball boy. But um, <laughs> uh, Suchesny has had to be better for them this season than you would expect him to. Buffon, when he's played this season, has had to be better for them than than you would expect him to. So th- these these are all all issues. Um, but you do wonder with the scheduling, with what Inter are going to have to deal with as well. Even though clearly they've reinforced the squad over over winter, is is this the perfect chance for for Lazio? Yeah, they'll be, they'll be, they'll be, yeah, they'll be, they'll be keeping a keen eye on it for sure. All right, guys, let's do our um, let's do our games of the week. Uh, I'm going to go for entirely selfish reasons to the Bundesliga. Um, Borussia Dortmund against Freiburg on Saturday afternoon. The reason for that is it's going to be my first visit to the Westfalen Stadion. Uh, I'm looking forward to it immensely um, and I'm hoping for a good game and it's not often I go to a European uh, football match as you guys know so that's my that's my pick for game of the week. You Andy. know what I'm looking forward to? Go on. About you uh, bringing out to Erling Haaland your famous line about uh, well you see if I go into uh, H&M in Oslo everything suits me. Yeah. <laughs> no, that is, no, what I said was it was actually Stockholm. Oh, was it right? Because okay. I'm tall and blonde. That's why right. so it's easy to find clothes that fit me quite well. Okay, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna exchange that kind of chat with Holland if I if I bump into Good. him. He's Good. a man of similar profile to me. He just happens to be very talented and half my age. Uh, and by the way, did you guys know he's the standing long jump champion? Yeah, I did. Do you know how I knew that? Go on. Jules Breach told me she knew before any of you. Do you know how she knew? Go on. I told her on Talk Sport. 
<laughs> and the circle right. is complete. And the circle is complete. <laughs> anyway, it's not about that. It's about Holland. Andy, what's your uh, what's your game of the week? Um, I'm going to go Derby. I'm going to go Derby for, County. Derby County. Uh, uh, on the continent. Yeah. <laughs> Leon versus Saint Etienne. Uh, nice. Uh, this this oh. weekend, it's a, a huge period for for Leon. Starting with that Juventus game, then you've got uh, the Saint Etienne derby. Then you've got a couple of meetings with Paris Saint Germain. First at the Coupe de France semi final, and um, then a little bit later down the line, they've got the Coupe de la Ligue final, the last ever Coupe de la Ligue game in 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 France. Um, but Saint Etienne have been in, in terrible nick, and uh, Leon will not only relish the opportunity to. Uh, get a much needed win as they chase a Champions League place and they've not got enough points at home this season but obviously they'll be delighted to have the opportunity to get the foot on the throat of, of Saint-Etienne while them and uh, Leon legend Claude Puel are suffering yeah and um, Saint-Etienne will have to rely perhaps if it doesn't go well for them on Sunday night we'll have to rely on the older Leon will always be in the suburbs line that they use every single year right yeah yeah <laughs> um, <I do. laughs> David what about you I think the very easy thing would be for me to pick our classico. Yeah, but I'm, but I'm not doing. We haven't talked about. Maybe <laughs> no, we'll talk no. about the classico next week. No, I'm not. I'm not going to go. So I, I couldn't give a shit. It's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, I generally couldn't. It's. It's. It's a game that. It's probably a conversation for another day. But I just think it's a, a game that's lost all of its spice. Oh really? Yeah, there's no aggro anymore. Or anything. Give us a minute or two on that. We got time. You can give us a minute on that. The, the hate feels just very plastic at the moment. It feels very. You want hate in football? Oh you want God. more hate? Oh man, I want way more hate. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's no haters anymore. You know. There's, this there's... is most. This is the most irresponsible thing since Pete Donaldson said that um, people shouldn't drink water. If anything, we're drinking too much water, <laughs> and we're eighty percent water anyway. We don't need it. This is the most irresponsible thing. And, and again, I'm gonna I'm gonna link it into the northeast. You're all you're all wrongans. Um, why why do you want more hatred in football <laughs> because sometimes football can get a little bit up its own ass and a bit boring and, I know what you mean uh, sanitised and you need some entertainment you yeah, know those yeah. UEFA adverts you get in the middle of Champions League games where they oh. say like they're really worthy about different things very important things mm. that they have to get right I'd love to see one with just UEFA Dave Cartledge's face hatred yeah, yeah. <laughs> more hatred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're not interested in Sunday nights. Yeah, yeah. Um, you'd rather be watching Leon v St Etienne then in that case. Oh, no, absolutely not. I'm, yeah. I'm going really poncy here, by the way, and and, and picking <sighs> Cadiz versus Almeria on Saturday. Is that uh, in the second division? Yeah, it's in the second division in Spain. Nice. Reason is, that is an Andalusian derby, so there's going to be a lot of hate. <laughs> um, also it's at the top of the table it's first Cadiz against yeah. third Almeria and Cadiz are, are very much the Spanish leads this is this is my sell for this game okay yeah you got to sell it in mate so, so yeah they, they yeah. always threaten to go up every year they're a big club fans travel really well yeah. um, and they always just tend to slip away and fall apart Cadiz are falling apart again Seemingly, right. okay. um, and and this game is, is yeah, it's a big one. And Almeria, there's a lot of pressure on there because they've had a lot of money invested in uh, to the club. Guti is manager there, the famous Guti. Excellent, that's great, um, great stuff. He had to recently deny that he was he was out on the old tango and cash with his players, didn't he? Oh, he loves the tango and cash. If uh, we were talking about Arthur, I mean Arthur and Guti would be the dream team. <laughs> I, 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 if that happens, oh, I want in. I want in. I want in. I just, want, I just want Arthur Lawn to. Uh, to Almeria for next season or something like that and just let's just see the yeah that'd get him on the straight and narrow wouldn't it yeah so, so that's my game anyway it's, it's on YouTube to watch for free as well so there you that's go. important yeah. it's important as I always say to yeah. that people yeah. need to be, able to be able to watch it also this weekend we should say talking of free football the Russian Premier League is back and all the games are on YouTube 
for free. People, you can watch as much football as you want these days. You can watch as much football. There's always going to be a game on somewhere. If you if you just love football for football's sake, or you, you know you're not you not got enough hate in your life, get on get on YouTube. <laughs> There'll always be a game on. There'll always be a game on. Can he, I mean, Andy, you are you are as much a uh, gatekeeper of the games of the week section as I am, I and mean, you've you've done more games of the week than me probably. Is he allowed to pick a second tier game? Yeah, I, I picked one last week. I picked uh, Hamburg versus St. Pauli. Oh, yeah. The that's Derby. kind of an exception. That's that, kind of an exception. That was, that was worth it. That was yeah. worth it. You, you look like you're upset with me. Yeah, yeah. I think next week, <laughs> next week I'm going to see what games are in the third tier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a race to the bottom, quite literally. <laughs> This was a Stakhanov production.